ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome into another edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the sports show where we talk and you listen. I'm Colin Lawson. I'm joined by my man, Von Lozon. Hello. And Evan Sashella. What up? Evan was off last week, but now he is back, and he is uh, ready to get to work. Right, Evan? I am back, and I'm excited. It's two weeks. Uh, I'm ready to get back here and debate and talk some sports with everybody. For sure, for Let's sure. We have an interesting and long show for you today. Um, first of all, another legend in Detroit sports is call- apparently calling it quits after the season. We just had Calvin Johnson about a month ago. Now Pavel Datsuk of the Red Wings says announced yesterday morning he is playing now retiring after the playoffs. I want to get your guys' initial reaction. I mean, this news kind of came out of nowhere. There were some talks last couple years that he wanted to go back to Russia. He had problems with Mike Babcock. But after Blashley uh, was named head coach before the season, a lot of people thought maybe those problems are gone. Apparently not. Now, he's, he said it's not 100% today at his, at his, um, his press conference. What are your guys' reactions if it truly is the end for Datsuk and the Wings? You want me to start? Yeah, Von, sure. Von, start us off. All right, we'll I'll start it off. Um, when I first saw the news, I was... Uh, a little unhappy about it, a little shocked, but then I really thought about it, and I was like, you know what, I'm not shocked about this one bit, because he, like you said, he had been debating about this for a couple years now with the problems with Mike Babcock. All the players had problems with Mike Babcock, and they were very vocal about it. They all right. expressed their disliking for him, and I really thought about it. I was like, this isn't shocking one bit. He talked about how he misses his family, and he misses his daughter and how he hasn't been able to spend a lot of time with his daughter and help raise his daughter and see her go through the evolutions of life that his parents were able to see him go through. And he went, he really wants to be there for her, and that's that's a big big thing in uh, especially his life, is not being able to be with her, be with his family in his hometown in Russia. Uh, he's always over here playing for the Red Wings. He's always over here practicing. Even though off season, he's not always over in Russia for the entirety of the off season, because he's that committed to his sport that he loves. He's that committed to hockey. So I, when I really thought about it, I was like, this is probably a good move for him. He's really aging. He's going to be 38 this summer. Uh, he's 37 right now, and by the time that he, if he came back and he signed another multi-year deal, do you think that he would be able to go through the rest of that? Honestly. I don't know. I don't know if he would or not. And he says that he wants to spend at least one year with a Russian team. Mm-hmm. Now, depending on if he does that or not, he may just call it quits right off the bat and say, you know what, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've had my fair share of time. I've, I've won the Stanley Cups. I've been on plenty of winning teams. I'm just going to call it a year now. I'm going to call it a career now. Let's just end it. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with my family, raise my daughter, and that's it. So when I really think about it, I think it's a good move for him. And I'm really happy that, that he's going to make this decision. Okay. Evan, what do you think? Yeah, I was kind of expecting it. Uh, There's a couple hiccups here and there about if he was going to go back. Uh, but back in 2012 when the NHL went through that lockout, he played in the KHL. Uh, that's when he first kind of, you know, really wanted to come back to Russia. He had spent a lot of time there that year uh, with his family. And I guess he probably thought the Red Wings aren't going to go anywhere anytime soon. They're not going to win any more cups. Uh, his first year or second year, 2002, is when he won that first cup. Then 2008, he came back, and then they won the cup that year. Uh, but then, you know, his play started to deteriorate. He's still the magic man. But you yeah. talk about in, like, 2006, 2007, he had, like, 27 goals. Uh, this year, he had 16. He's getting older. And he just wants to go home and be with his family. And I don't, I don't think the Red Wings fans can get mad 
or have any doubts. I mean, there's a lot of good young players that idolize that that Datsuk, and uh, they're going to step up, maybe take his shoes. Uh, but right now, it's uh, Datsuk made the right decision by going home, and he made the right decision to announce it after the season. Uh, obviously, you don't want to announce that during the season, but before the playoffs, uh, get some fans riled up. Maybe it'll spark this team that lost two consecutive games to end the season, going to Tampa Bay, knowing that this might be the last time they see the Magic Man. Uh, get the fans riled up, and maybe get the revenue some momentum going forward. Do you think he should have waited until after the playoffs, or do you think right after the regular season, before the playoffs, was the right choice? I think it was before the playoffs was the right choice. I don't think it's going to harm the team, but if you announce it after the playoffs that he's leaving, he doesn't get his good send-off that he deserves because he's been there for so long, and fans don't know what to think. Right. So that's and he specifically good. told Mitch Album that he wanted to wait for this article to be published until after the last game of the regular season, too. He made that very yeah. clear to him because right. he was like, if, if it's not like that, then I don't want it to be any other way. Right. Another Kind of like how Calvin Johnson did it, almost waiting until the end. Now, Calvin waited until yeah. fully after the season was done, but they had no more games left. But I think a lot of fans don't like that because they don't get to give that guy the proper send-off. He doesn't get that last home game. He doesn't get to say bye to the fans. A lot yeah. of people were kind of mad Calvin didn't do that. But that's kind of the way these guys are. They're not all about the publicity. They're kind of quieter. They lead by example. They're not all about the, the big show, kind of like a Kobe Bryant is. I think football, you, you can respect that. I think football is different considering that he took so much time off after the season to think about because football is only 16 games. And then hockey's 82 games. And then you got your longer playoff series. Uh, and the Lions, of course, were eliminated by de- December. But it took a while for Calvin to think about. And he was probably thinking about really coming back to the team. Uh, if he took that much amount of time to come back to not make his decision. But uh, you know what? It's been a good ride for both of those two, Datsuk and, mm-hmm. and CJ. CJ and uh, I wish him the best, Megatron. Yeah, Datsuk's really had a great career. And you guys both bring up great points. Vaughn, you mentioned the point about him wanting to go home. It's not like an American player when he gets drafted from another, not his hometown team. He can still, he's still, you're still in your home country. Still around your people. Yeah. He's in a different continent. And there's no other yeah. Russian players on the team. So he's not around anyone. That's from where he's at. I mean, he's, he misses his friends back there. He, and he wants to raise his daughter where he grew up. And I can definitely appreciate that. If I was in Russia, Absolutely. maybe I wouldn't want my daughter to grow up there. Maybe she, it's a different culture. She won't be the same mm-hmm. kind of person that you were, maybe that you want her to be. I can definitely appreciate that. And then, Evan, you said that the team, they're not, gonna, they're not winning the cup anytime soon. Yeah, They've so. actually gotten progressively worse over the last few years. It's getting harder and harder for them to even make the playoffs and keep that streak alive, much less contend for a cup. If this team was contending for a cup, I highly doubt he'd be calling it quits right now. Right. But he sees he the writing's on the wall for this team. They, it's it's going to be a rebuilding process over the next few years, most likely. And um, I think him going out before it hits that wall is probably the best bet. He's 37 years old. It's not like he's 24 or something. He came over. He's like, I hate this country. I want to go back home. He's been here for many years. He's done his dues. He's contributed a lot to this community. And for the Red Wings, just yeah. scoring all those goals, winning two cups. Oh, yeah. And what he's done with him and Hank, Henrik Zetterberg, uh, those two guys uh, playing in the forward position and centerman is what Datsuk is. But what those, those two guys do on offense, it's just it kind of inspired the younger guys on this team now. And now it's time for a new era in Red Wings hockey. Right. Even defensively, I think Datsuk has been one of the best two-way players in the league over the last decade. Exactly. If Definitely top three with Ovechkin and, uh, and some others up there. He's been great both ways. That famous Detsuki and Deke, he always put on display for us. Just always let the fans in awe. And he, he owes us nothing more. He gave us his best. Like you said, he's not 24 anymore. He's about to be 38. It's time for him to do whatever whatever's best for him, and we should all respect that and move on. Now, Vaughn, you had a great opinion piece yesterday, very well written, Thank I you. might say. 
you were saying um, the Red Wings are going to be in okay shape, that the, a lot of younger guys, we have a bunch of young talent, Holland's built up the team through the draft over the years, and they'll be able to take on the new era and move the team forward. Evan has a refutal to that. So, Evan, what's your take on, uh, on Vaughn's article from yesterday? Let me preface by saying it was a well-written article. Good Thank column. You. Uh, I, Thank you. I liked it. Uh, that <laughs> was good, but it was kind of written the point of a uh, point of view from a fan of Detroit sports. That's kind of like, hey, we're okay because the Red Wings are always okay. We're 25 years in the playoffs. We'll never break down or go anywhere in that specific. Uh, and I feel like there's one part that I disagree with is that, you know, there's these young guys like Larkin and everybody and Nyquist and all Athanasiou and everybody that's going to come back and kind of take on his leadership, and I just don't agree with that. Uh, you mentioned after st- when Steven Eiserman retired in 2006, I'm taking a look at this roster. He had a guy like Datsuk at 27 goals. Zetterberg had 33 goals. Tomas Holmstrom had 30 goals. And like you said this was a young core that they had after, but they are experienced. They got, those guys have won cups. I mean, even Matthew Schneider, Robert Lane, when Dan Cleary actually got playing time for the Red Wings. Michael Samuelson, Franzen was healthy. Like these guys were young, but they were also experienced. This team now, I mean, it's really hard for these guys to even score 25 goals alone when they'll, you had three people on the 06, 07 team that had 30. I mean, Larkin's got the potential. He's obviously going to be a superstar, but, you know, Nyquist was inconsistent this year at times. Uh, Tatar was also inconsistent, but then you got guys like Brad Richards and Mike Green who are kind of just going to stay here for a little bit. And then you have guys like Darren Helm can stay healthy, which he had proven he can't sometimes. Uh, there's problems on defense. You have to remember in 06, 07, Nick Lidstrom was going towards his prime right there, and he's a Hall of Fame defenseman. And Absolutely. He was an all-star that year, and right now the Red Wings, do they have any defensemen, clear? <laughs> when you take a look at guys no, like they, Erickson. No. no, not at all. And yeah, so. That's their main problem right now. I mean, it was just a different team, and I maybe you can say it's the coaching. Of course, Babcock was there in 06 and 07, and they had a really good team. And now you have Blashill, who's in his first year. Uh, but the younger players right now, they're going to get there. I feel like they have a couple more years. They're going to contend for cups because they all have uh, competed for the Calder Cup uh, when they were all in Grand Rapids. But some of these guys, they have apartments in Grand Rapids in Detroit because they go back and forth, back and forth. Uh, the 06 07 team, that was a veteran team, mm-hmm. and uh, they were better in the long run, and they could still only won one cup. Uh, so it's going to be a while. So that was my only disagreement. Cool. Yeah, you both, again, I'm going to agree with both of you here. Kind of play the <laughs> middle, kind of sit on the fence again. Okay. Yeah, Vaughn, they do have some really good young talent, some guys going forward. Absolutely. But Evan, yeah, it's not the same team as the 06 07 rebuild they don't want you know they don't have those superstars waiting in the wings and the main thing they don't have the goalie they still had chris osgood on that team who is still one of the best goalies in the in the league peter Mraz, it kind of looked like he could be that in the beginning of the year has fallen off so we got to see if he can maybe capture that again and be consistent going forward so yeah there's definitely a lot of holes um something to build upon some some good pieces but not the same team kenny holland's gonna have to make some moves especially in free agency which he hasn't done in like five years and the problem to make some moves in free agency i would say the problem is that He's always had the problem that no one wants to come to Detroit. Detroit's not an attractive piece. They're not really a cup contender anymore. Yeah, they'll go to the playoffs, but it's kind of a first-round ouster. And now that you lose Datsuk, people will want to come play with Pavel Datsuk. Now are they going to? That's the problem. with you. Even though Zetterberg's there, you have Larkin coming up. If you're a player that's about to be a free agent that plays the Red Wings, you have to take a look at and see, is this what place where I want to go? And right now that's a big question mark because this team is in jeopardy next season missing the playoffs they got lucky this year they had some help 
Yeah, Detroit's never been that luxurious destination everyone wants to go to. It's not Miami or California, anything like that. But before, they had Iserman, Lidstrom, Datsuk in recent years, Zetterberg, guys that would make other guys want to look, look past Detroit's flaws and come play with those guys, compete for a cup. It's not the same anymore. So, yeah, they will have some problems attracting guys, and they got to try to find that again. All right, so legacy. Always a talk when a famous uh, Detroit's player uh, calls it quits. Um, recently, in recent years, Lidstrom's number has been retired. Iserman. Up there with greats like Gordie Howe, um, Sawchuck, Ted Lindsay, um, Del Vecchio, some of the greats in hockey history. Where does Datsuk rank among those guys? And should he, his number be retired one day? I'd put him in the top 10. I don't know what number I'd put him at, but I'd definitely put him there in the top 10 with all those guys that you listed. Um, just looking at these stats right now, he's 953 games played. That's eighth in Red Wings history. He's seventh in the history of the Red Wings in goals with 314. He's fifth in assists with 604. He's got the sixth amount of points. Uh, plus minus, he has 249. That's third best in the history of the Detroit Red Wings. Goals created six. He doesn't even rank in the penalty minutes because he never gets penalized. Even strength goals three. Uh, he, he's in the top ten for almost all of these. Uh, you got to put him in consideration for top ten greatest Red Wings player in the history of of the team and at this point he definitely should have his number retired and I think when he's eligible I don't think he'll be a first ballot um or I don't know if he will or not he could but I don't think he'll be a first year hall of famer I think it'll take a few years to get him there just with the recent struggles that the Red Wings have had they haven't been they haven't been past the first round of the of the Stanley Cup playoffs in a long time now, and they right. haven't been to a cup since 2009. It's been a long time for these guys. Datsuk's built on his career. Uh, just the the younger years were a little bit better than what his past five or so years have been, uh, and I think that that'll definitely tarnish it a little bit. Just getting there sooner rather than later. So I think he will get there eventually. Evan, what do you think? With the exception of Nick Lidstrom. He was the best player of the 2000s Red Wings. And this was a historic time for the Red Wings because you're talking about the midst of 25 now, consecutive playoff. Wait, the whole 2000s? Yeah. You're saying he's second behind Lidstrom? Wow, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, that, so forwards, in terms of forwards, uh, yeah, him and Henrik Zetterberg, uh, those two have carried the team. And, uh, of course, the Magic Man, that's what his, designated, his destination is. Uh-huh. Uh, you talk about all those plays he makes. Uh, how he continues to lead this team two cups. They wouldn't have got to those two cups without him, especially what he did in that first season, uh, carrying the team. Uh, in terms of, he's probably top five. I wouldn't say top ten. He could be top five rowings of all time. Wow. Top five. Okay, so you're saying top ten. You're saying top five. Vaughn, I'm going to have to go with you. I think top ten. I think most franchises, he'd be top five, maybe close to the top. Yeah. With the Red Wings and all the history we have. I mean, just legends, like I said before. Saw Chuck, Gordie Howe, Ted Lindsay, Sid Abel, DeVecchio. And then, and then after those, um, Iserman's right up there. I think Iserman's probably in the top three, with, or maybe number two behind Gordie Howe. Then you have Lidstrom. Then I have Fedorov right before I'd put Datsuk. And I think Datsuk and Zetterberg are neck and neck. I'd have them right behind Fedorov. And I think Fedorov better get his number retired before Datsuk ever gets yeah. his. I think Agreed. Datsuk might get his number retired this upcoming season because that's what they did in the 06 07 season. Iserman retired in those summer of 06 basically January of 07 his number was up in the rafters we could be seeing that with that too but he was also the captain for 20 plus years and he just meant so much to this team so much so much to the fans I don't think I don't put Datsuk in that category he's a different kind of player 
But um, he's definitely up there. And I think his number should get retired one day. I think him and Zetterberg both should. But Fedorov, you better get in line behind him because that, yeah. that guy was the original magic I'll man. Give you yeah. That guy was yeah. a force part of the Russian five. Dude was just a machine for he so many He was the years. reason why I was such a big hockey fan back in the he day. He was my favorite player as yeah. a kid, too. When he, got, when he left for Anaheim, I cried. I literally cried. cried. I was like 13 oh, years old on the couch crying because my favorite player growing up. And I love Datsuk, too, but he, he's not quite as talented as Fedorov, but he was up there. And he didn't, he didn't deliver as many cups, too. On a lesser team than Fedorov, got to put that in perspective. Mm-hmm. But still a great career and should have his number up in, uh, in Hockey Town one day. He will. No question. All right, so we're all in agreement there. Okay, so the Red Wings playoffs are coming up. Before Datsuk retires, we still have a couple series, hopefully, to play. We have um, a rematch against the Lightning, who beat us in seven last year. Can they beat him this year, get, the, get revenge against Stevie Y, and uh, what are the keys to this series? Vaughn, let's start with you. I think they can, and there's one guy in particular, the reason why they can, and that's Steven Stamkos. He's not going to play at all. He's got a blood clot, and he's been out for the better half of a couple weeks now. I, I feel like just for that reason alone, he's, such the, he's the catalyst for that team, and he's one of the biggest catalysts in the entire NHL. With him being out, it's going to hurt them more than people think because all oh, they they got Tyler Johnson and they got Nikita Kucherov and Ben Bishop. They got all of those guys. Uh, it's going to hurt them way more than what people think just just because of the other guys. Uh, they can definitely step it up. They can definitely play the way that they played against us last year. But Stamkos had a huge series in that game or in in the series. He didn't he, he had no he, goals. In the he, series. he didn't have any goals. But he helped contribute to a lot of those goals. Tyler Johnson True. had the majority of those goals last season. Another another guy who's hurt right now, another, day to day. Yeah. If he misses a couple games, Wings fans aren't going to cry over it. No. In fact, I'm I think ho- I'm they might cry tears of joys over yes, it, if anything. Yes, he killed us last year. Oh, he absolutely destroyed Every us. Every game. Yeah. So just the fact that he's out is going to give us a, a chance, just one chance to get to the next round. That's Dude. all I'm asking for is just get to the next round. If you can do that... That's a successful season in my book with, with Jeff Blaschel, first-year head coach. Oh, huge. Yeah. Now, they say we have the chance. Will we do it? Yes or no? Will we beat them? No. How many games do we lose in? Six. You can go six this year. I think, okay. yeah, I think we could win a couple games. But well, not as many as last year. No. Evan? I think Detroit's going to lose in five. Okay. No, Ouch. Uh, Wings fans, turn off, your, turn off your phones, Dan. I'm being harsh <laughs> on the Red Wings right now, I know, but... Uh, just take a look at this team, uh, what they did the last two games. I mean, they had that huge win against Philadelphia at home. Mm-hmm. And then the next day they go to Boston. Now you can say oh, they were they took a plane ride there. They're a little bit tired. But that was just a, a terrible loss. Uh, mm-hmm. that, they win that it game, was. they're automatically in. And they didn't have to you know rely on everybody else to lose, essentially. But a 5-2 loss at Boston, that's your 81st game of the season. And you're thinking, hey, New York Rangers on Saturday. It's a noon game. You know, we're going to be rested up. We're going against a backup goaltender. Yeah, Lundqvist was out. Lundqvist was out. It's Basically a backup goaltender. Eric Stahl got hurt in the game. There was another guy. Rick Nash was banged up. And then they he lost. hasn't been the same this year. And they lost 3-2. to two, And at the end of the game, they had a 6-on-4. And they couldn't get the puck in. It's like, are you kidding me right now? And they had right a lot now, of good chances, too. And I was really high on Jimmy Howard because he played really well during those three games, three of the last five games. But then against... Uh, the last two games he played, uh, it was just really bad performance. And now we're going back to the goaltending situation of Jimmy Howard versus Pierre Morazic. What's going to happen in this playoff series? And Lightning know who their uh, goaltender is, Ben Bishop. 
And, of course, he's one of the best in the NHL. He showed the Red Wings up last season. Yep. I feel like he can do it again. But the talk about Tyler Johnson might be hurt. But we saw what he can do against the Red Wings. He, he better be hurt for the Red Wings' sake. That's the only way they're going to win. <laughs> yeah. But if he misses, he's day-to-day. He can miss one game. He comes back for game two. He could probably put up the same numbers again. Talk about Nikita Kucherov. Everybody, Stamkos lost hurts. And that's probably the only reason the Red Wings can possibly win this series. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about the Remlings right now. They're just they're just too young, too inexperienced, especially from the head coaching side. Babcock's been there. He knows how to win a playoff series. He knows how to win a cup because he's won many of those. Mm-hmm. Blaschel, yeah, he's won a Calder Cup. He's been in that situation, but that's minor league hockey. This is yeah, a whole different, different environment with the octopus is flying on the ice and everything. It's loud. It's crazy in there. Uh, so I just uh, like the Remlings' youth, of course, People are coming up. Uh, Anthony Mantha just went down to yeah. Grand Rapids. Uh, so it's just a whole scramble. Like, who's who's even going to play right now? There's just too many young players, not enough experience. Uh, they're going to get this first-round exit, but I feel like they'll build upon this. They're going to take a look at the season, after the season, take a look at, hey, we, we're going to lose Datsu probably. Uh, so we got a young team, but we're going to rely on Zetterberg and Larkin next season and do some damage next season. Yeah, there really are a lot of questions with this team. You guys are both right. And they really it was really the most uninspiring way to back into the playoffs. I'm going to say they got in. They backed in. <laughs> if it wasn't for Tuka Rass being sick by some miracle against Ottawa, Boston probably would have won that game, and they would have got the last spot. But, no, we got lucky with that. They found a way to keep the streak alive, which you talked about before, which Rebbing fans so overblow because it doesn't mean anything if you're getting bounced the first round every year. So many questions with this team. Um, how's the how's the goaltending going to be is the main question. Will Howard be good? Will they take a chance with Mrazek in one game? And will he completely let us down like he has last month? And will Blashill make another mistake like he did pulling the goalie with, what, three minutes left in the last that game, which ridiculous. led to that extra goal? You wait until like a minute 30 or two minutes tops, not three minutes. And that's when they went down to... They were lucky to get one back later, but yeah. because they already made that mistake, they were already the game was already out of their hands. And they outshot. They, I think they doubled the Rangers' shots that game too. They should have won, but they couldn't find a way to get it done. They're very bad on the road, Plus and they the don't whole, have home ice. The whole offsides thing in the first period with their first goal, yeah, that changed everything too. And it's and all about momentum with them. That killed their ab- momentum, yeah, which killed the game. Yeah, it absolutely did. Yep, they're such a young team. They need momentum. They got. They better come out in game one. And even if they lose, they better play tough, and they better they better carry that over into game two, and they better steal one of those first two or it's over. Got to get Agreed. home ice back, and you got to take care of business at the Joe. If you don't do that, you're done. I say lightning and seven again. I think it goes seven again. Blash will find a way to get them those couple wins, but at the end, too much from the lightning. They have the experience. They have home ice. They're going to take this series. So you're doesn't, going five, I'm going look six, good. you're going seven. Yep, yep. So none so of us have them winning, though. Nope. <laughs> Although none of us had them even get in the playoffs in the first place. I, mine was 25%. I think mine and was like 40. Yeah, what was I, yours at? I, I don't remember. It was under 50. And they it, st- it was. They shouldn't have been, but that's what you <laughs> yep. talk about with luck. Yeah. Yep, yep. So the other team, the other Detroit team that's in the playoffs currently, a little more inspiring, a little more, um, <laughs> little more hope for them, the Pistons. And they're, they're, they're right now they're tied for the seventh seed with the Indiana Pacers, who have the tiebreaker, so technically we're in the eighth spot. Um, two games left against Miami and Cleveland. Hopefully they can get that seventh seed is what I'm thinking. I, but you guys both want them to keep that eight and go, away, go up against Cleveland. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Well, now, why do, you, why do you have better hopes against going against the Cavs with King James than Toronto? Tell me why. I think the reason why is just because of the way that they've played against them so far this season. Against Toronto, they haven't won a single game against them at all in the regular season. 
if my memory serves me correct. They've looked absolutely awful against them. They can't shoot to save their life against them for some reason. I don't know why. I guess they they can't shoot threes. They can't. Drummond was very ineffective against them earlier in the year. Against Cleveland was a totally different story. You see LeBron James just a few weeks ago when we played against them in Cleveland. He did he didn't do anything. He barely played at all, first of all. The game it which se- saved their season. The by game the way. that you said saved their entire season. That's that's all on you. That's credit goes hey, to you for that hey, one. I'm so just, I, I props for you, man. Our podcast is changing things right now. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're determining outcomes of games. That's and right. Seasons. Tom Goris can uh, send us a check in the mail anytime. Yes. Yeah, for real. The way that they've played against Cleveland, it seems that they really, really want to take down the mammoth more than just the the shorter guy, the littler guy. That's Toronto. They want to take down the king. They want to take down the Eastern Conference champions from last season, and they want to get there in style too because this team's flashy. You see the whole Reggie Jackson thing when they beat Oklahoma City last week or two weeks ago, and uh, the entire Thunder team got PO'd about it. This is a flashy team, which I don't mind that one bit. They they have a right to brag when when they can, and they beat a good team. That's that's why Reggie Jackson did it, and it was at home too, by the way. Uh, the the fact that the Thunder got upset at him was a little ridiculous, but this is a flashy team. They want to beat the top dog, and they want to be that underdog spot right now. If they can beat Cleveland, they can do anything. So you're saying go for the head of the snake in the first round. Mm-hmm. Don't waste your time with the with the team right behind him. Go yep. for the top. Yeah. This, that's what this team wants. Because if you take them out, they can beat anyone. True. It's depending on who they play in the next round. I, I think if they beat Cleveland, they could make it to the championship. Evan, why do, why do you want them to face the Cavs in round one? I agree with you about taking on the Keen and being in that aspect. And maybe I don't think they're going to make the championship even if they do beat Cleveland, but just, just saying, have, like, if they beat that, them, yeah. they would have a much better chance. Basically, if you talk to most Detroit Pistons fans, no one, well, they expected the playoff run. They expected this team to go to the playoffs. This was going to be the year probably with Reggie Jackson, with Andre Drummond. Uh, getting Tobias. Getting Tobias Harris and getting everybody. Uh, but now that you're in a situation where you, you're going to go against the Keen, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and every that entire crew, and that wasn't – Few years ago, well, not a few years ago, but like 08, 09, whatever, when mm-hmm. LeBron James came to the palace and dropped 29 straight he lit points, us up. and that was basically the end of the Pistons' run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yep, the whole team was broken up essentially. The next season, they traded Chauncey Billups. I mean, I think Ben Wallace went first, but then Chauncey Billups got traded. This entire team just fell off. Uh, six, I mean, was it six or eight years now? That they missed the playoffs. It was six it years. Was six years. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I think of eight. But it's been six <laughs> years they haven't, they haven't. It feels like eight. Yeah. Six years they haven't been in the playoffs. But now you get a guy like Reggie Jackson who kind of got overshadowed in Oklahoma City. Andre Drummond, who's now, he can't hit free throws. But beyond that is a top three center in this league. If you take a look at maybe DeMarcus mm-hmm. Cousins or Anthony Davis. He's up there. Now this team, they want to go back, get that revenge against Cleveland. And if you look at Toronto, they kind of scare me. I don't know about you guys, but Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. uh, DeRozan, yeah. Valanchunas, Corey Joseph even. even It's a bunch of underrated players, kind of. not They're not an all-star team. They're kind of like the San Antonio Spurs right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's just a team effort, 50, 
54 or 55 wins right now, uh, but I feel like that's easier to go against Cleveland. Cleveland's had their drama all season long, even with they fire David Blatt, get Tyron Lue in there, who's basically, LeBron's basically coaching this team, is what everyone's saying. It's all about LeBron. LeBron's the drama queen. And the Pistons, they can get this first-round win, and they could make LeBron James question his decision, and he could possibly leave Cleveland again. And that would be the greatest revenge. But basically, if you're a Pistons fan, no one expecting them to win the playoff series. The goal this year was to get to the playoffs. But if you can beat the Keen and get some revenge after what he did to you six years ago, that's even sweeter. I agree that the goal was to get the playoffs, but goals do change. And now this, this fan base is riled up. And if you can get a, a round one series win, that would just totally change around the, the perception of Detroit basketball. You get so many more fans at the games. You never have to worry about selling out again. And um, first round, you, you said it's a team effort for the Toronto. That's why it kind of scares you. It is a team effort. A team effort that has never led them past the first round. They choke every year in the playoffs. That's why I want them. They lost to the Wizards last year in, like, I think five games. They look horrible. They looked horrible. And then the Cleveland, yeah, you said, yeah, we, we had their number in the regular season, 2-1 against them. Yep. The last game a couple weeks ago, which I called, um, LeBron was horrible. The worst game he's Absolutely had all season. Terrible. But they're going to completely flip, flip the switch once it turns playoff time. I'm telling you. They do this every year. Last year, they weren't that great in the regular season. Playoff time, they destroyed the Eastern Conference. Destroyed them. It's going to be the same thing this year. Yeah, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving haven't been that great, but they got the king. That's all they need. He went there to win a championship. There ain't no way in heck he's going out in the first round. He's going to be so determined to bring that city a championship. He's not going to let the Pistons beat him. I'm telling you, we have no chance of going against the Cavaliers. It will be completely different in the regular season. But with Toronto, I think we can beat them. You think they have a better chance against Toronto than Cleveland? Much better chance. I'll tell you why. Because DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, they're good players, but they're no LeBron James. They're not superstars. And it seems like every year, even back in like the bad boys, like the 04 days and everything, it was like the, that superstar in each team that would always beat us. But we seem to have teams' numbers when we play that team game against them. I think we could beat Toronto. I think Reggie Jackson, Drummond, and uh, the addition of Tobias Harris can put us over the top against a team like that. But there's too much star power in Cleveland for us to overcome. But I think the Raptors have a better backcourt than Detroit. Obviously, Pistons have Reggie Jackson, KCP, but the Rose and Lowry... It's kind of like in Washington with Wall and Beal. That's yeah. kind of like that kind of matchup right there. And I feel like Valanchunas can play up with Andre Drummond. Uh, he's that good. I feel like Andre Drummond could go put up some of a game with Kevin Love. Kevin Love's been struggling and all, all that, and he's not that really much of a center. Andre Drummond can post him up. Okay. And even with Aaron Baines, I feel like Aaron Baines has been the MVP of this past two weeks, basically, everyone's following Andre Drummond. He's coming in, playing the entire fourth quarter, essentially, knocking down free throws, giving this team sort of energy, some sort of chip. Uh, but right now, the Toronto Raptors kind of match up with Detroit. I feel like Cleveland, Cleveland's going to beat the Pistons, I feel like, in the first round. But I feel like the Pistons have a better chance because they have that revenge factor. Stan Van Gundy's a great motivator, great coach. They can match up with them. Well, I disagree with that. I do think it would um, motivate them more going up against Cleveland. And definitely you would get the nation's attention watching that game, watching that series more than Toronto. So it would definitely put us in the limelight more and get our name out there more. But I just think Cleveland, I think they have a better defense than us. Their rebounding is better. Um, Kevin Love, I feel like we have no one to match up with him. He's always killed us in games. Even when he hasn't been this great this year, he's the guy that can just hit six six straight threes against us. Um, Kyrie Irving seems to always have our number. Even when LeBron doesn't play well in that final game, the last game, um, Kyrie Irving balled out and had like 35 points. Reggie Jackson can't stay in front of him. 
So I think that's the worst matchup for us. But you guys do make some good points. Um, that revenge factor would definitely motivate the team. And either way, it's just fun to see them back in the playoffs. It's going to be a great series. If they can somehow edge out one of those teams, uh, none of us are going to be angry. We can all agree that'd be that'd be great for the city. It's been a while since the palace has been full and there's been towels on the seats right now. It's going to be rocking, and I'm looking forward to it. I think I have some friends that know they're trying to buy some playoff tickets right now, and it's going to be a lot of fun if you're living in the Auburn Hills area or in Detroit area when I catch a basketball game. Getting the playoffs is something that this team needs, too. They haven't been, like you guys said, in six, seven years, whatever it was, and they got swept out of that series against Cleveland back when LeBron was still in his heyday with Cleveland for the first time. Getting to the playoffs is just something that this team needed, and I think going down the stretch, this is going to help them tremendously. This is going to be the first time that Drummond gets playoff action, and he, I bet he is so stoked for that. Oh, yeah. I'll bet Reggie Jackson is so stoked that he's finally able to lead a team, his team, to the playoffs. Whether, whether it's a 7 or 8 seed, it doesn't matter what seed. All that matters right now is just getting to the playoffs, doing what you need to do, and put up a fight against whoever it is. Yeah, I think the playoffs is going to be so helpful for this team going forward. And I think if they can keep this core together within maybe two to three years, they could be one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. I think that's that's the goal for this team. It's not about this year. It's about going forward. But fans want to win now, so hopefully maybe they can pull out a few wins and we'll see what can happen. And they're doing it with a totally different team than what they did back in 09 the last time they made. I mean, I think Stanley Johnson, he's a, he was a middle school when those teams were <laughs> yes. playing. And, of course, it's a new era. Yeah, it's a new era. It's a new team, new coach. Teams, they got some swag. I like them. I'm excited for them. Correction yeah. on my part real quick. We did beat Toronto one time earlier in the season. but Kyle, Yeah, the last game. Kyle Lowry was not playing that game. But Toronto still shot, like I think, 58% in that game, which is like their season average. It was 48. So 48. even worse. Whatever. But still, Toronto still played a good Anyways. game with him on the bench, and we won. Yes. And Audrey Drummond, had a, I think, had a big game that game. I think he had like uh, 20 let's rebounds. See, let's see what he had that game. Yeah, he had 18 rebounds. Yeah. yeah, he played really well against them. Okay, okay. Okay, so transitioning out of the Detroit sports world for once, we're going to the national sports um, sports world. Over the weekend, there was a big event in golf, the Masters, the, the pinnacle of golf tournaments. And um, Texas native, 22-year-old Jordan Spieth, epically choked – we were talking about chokes a couple weeks ago. Was, this is a big one. Here comes another big sports choke for you. <laughs> yep, Jordan Spieth, the guy, uh, number one go- ranked golfer in the world, had everything going for him, was up by five shots on the 10th hole, and on hole 12, quadruple bogeyed, and just killed his chances. And then a uh, 28-year-old Englishman, Danny Willett, came out of nowhere. No one ever knew he was. Won his first ever PGA um, Tour event, came and won the Masters, and um, only 12 days after his daughter was born, and she came yeah. early too. Yeah. He originally wasn't playing on playing. He wasn't his daughter supposed was, to play. He wasn't supposed all. to play. His daughter yeah. was supposed to be born right That's around a great that time. Story. She came early and um, allowed him the chance and just made golf history. So, um, what did you guys think about the choke by Spieth? I got to know that first. What was your takeaway from the weekend? I should say. It was probably one of the most epic collapses in the history, not just in the Masters history, but in golf. Obviously, he had a five-stroke lead. He had, was birdieing basically the front nine every almost every hole. And you're sitting there at the 10th or 11th hole, you're thinking, this is our – people are already tweeting. He's already locked this up. He's got a huge lead. He's going to yep. go back to back. He's got all – he's only 22. He's got all the fame and the fortune and everything. This, this, he has a great life right now. And then he got to that 12th hole, and he said after the, the round, he said, I played very conservative because I had a five-stroke lead, and I really didn't want to do anything to jeopardize that, but – Watching that live, you see the first shot. I think he was using the seven iron. Goes right in the water. All right, 
you're going to lose probably a stroke right there, but you can come back. Second shot goes in the water. Okay, what's going on? He keeps dropping, dropping. The next shot, which I see, no one talks about this shot, really. They talk about the two water shots, but the next shot that went into the bunker, that really killed him. Because right now, hey, you might try be a couple strokes in, and maybe you're going to be a couple strokes, and then maybe you'll be closer. You're not going to be as close, but right now you got to go get out of the bunker, get it on the green, and guy put it in. That's two or three shots right there that really killed him, that quadruple bogey. Just you could take a look look at his face during that entire sequence. It was just anguish. He was just really disgusted, and of course he played well at the end. I feel he birdied two of his last three holes, but I think he kept getting a few more bogeys, and it was just a tremendous performance by Danny Willett. That's what people say. Let's not take a look at Jordan Spieth's collapse. Danny Willett shot a five under in the fourth round, and obviously there was guys like Lee Westwood, Paul Casey, J.P. Holmes that were all up in there and he was the only Willett was the only one that was able to take advantage of Speed's collapse. Everyone else was kinda going up all over the place, was very inconsistent. Uh Matthew Fitzpatrick tied for seventh. He also shot five under, but he also shot four above on the second day. So that really kinda killed him. But Danny Willett, you know, he was even through the first three rounds. And then he was minus two the first day, plus two the second day was at E round three, shot five under. That's how you win the green jacket. It's been that last day of the Masters. It's make or break, especially on that back nine. Speed didn't win it, but he'll probably move on and learn from the situation. I think the big thing was, well, obviously the uh, the two water shots there, but uh, when Willett uh, had solidified his, his five under, uh, down the stretch, Jordan Spieth had to make so many birdies in a row just to catch up. And he made one, and he got to two under. And then he parred the next one. And he would have had a birdie if it wasn't for a missed putt. And I think that missed putt was huge. And he missed it far left. It wasn't just like a couple inches. He missed it very, very far left. I think that putt uh, may be even more important than the two water ones. Obviously, the quadruple bogey is huge. But he was coming back at that point. He did sink a few birdies uh, with his next couple shots, with his next couple holes that he made. Uh, he was making a comeback. He could have definitely came back, but because of that par and that missed putt, I think that's what really pushed it over the edge to where, yeah, uh, Jordan Spieth's not going to win this at all. That's when I like, I flipped the TV off at that point. I was like, okay, this one's over. Spieth lost. Like, There's no way because at that point he would have had to made a hole-in-one on the 18th, and the 18th was a par four. That wasn't going to happen. And if it did, that would have been the craziest shot in golf history probably right so at that point i knew that the match was was over the weekend was over and spieth choked again he tied for second again two of the last three years yeah well it's really crazy it's the first time we really saw like a huge epic meltdown from him yeah but like he yeah he's coming second and third uh, a few times but really he's never collapsed like that where he had such a big lead in such a big event he was always always cool always calm and collected and really, he was becoming kind of golf superstar again. Really, golf kind of fell off after Tiger Woods did. And Rory McIlroy had it was coming up. Um, now Jordan Spieth has really taken advantage of that. He's really been the, the that new superstar. Of course, he's an American kid too. Yep. He gets American fans excited about the game. Do you think it's bad for golf that he had that choke? And do you think golf needs that superstar again? Because growing up, we had Tiger. We always turned in to watch golf to watch Tiger. Um, after he fell off, it really wasn't the same, at least for me. I think a lot of others would agree. Um, Spieth is kind of drawing interest and getting everyone excited about the game again. So do you think it's bad that he choked like that? And do, does golf need that superstar again? 
if you take a look at it, he kind of choked the last three days, really, because he had that. He was six under after the first round. That's remarkable, because everyone else was. I think the most was three under. Everyone else mm -hmm. was either over par or just three under par. But he had that six under that first day, but then he was two over par on in the second round, then one over par in the rounds three and four. So take a look at that aspect. Uh, it was a big choke because he had such a big lead in that last round, but um, if you're going back to if golf needs a superstar, I feel like yes. Because I don't know about you guys, but I watch golf because of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was just killing every single major, was winning everything. He was just so good driving, putting, chipping, uh, all, all that sort of stuff. And then he kind of fell off in 2010, of course, with the transgressions and everything. Uh, now you talked about Rory McIlroy. Of course, he hasn't been able to take advantage of it. He was, but he's kind of been inconsistent. But Jordan Spieth, because he's like a tiger, he came out of college like a – a huge player out of college. Of course, Tiger Woods was from Stanford. Jordan Spieth is from Texas. After his sophomore year, he turned pro. Of course, he was second and third uh, past, uh, the past couple of years at the Masters. But now, the epic, epic collapse, I don't think it's going to really hurt him because he still has that you know top two, top three ranking in the world. of Him and Jason Day are probably the two best golfers right now. Uh, so in terms of having longevity in the golfing world, Jordan Spieth is that guy. And he's going to be the key. He has to be himself and know that, hey, I lost. I blew it. How am I going to rebound and regain this trust going into next April? Vaughn, quickly, does golf need a superstar again? They do need a superstar again, but this isn't going to hurt Spieth's legacy. He's only 22 years old. He has plenty of time to recuperate himself and rebound. He's going to have plenty of other chances to win that green jacket yet again. He's already got one, and he won that when he was 21 years old. How many people, when they're 21 years old, can say that they won a green jacket at the Masters? Not a whole lot. I don't know if any of the other ones, uh, maybe Tiger Woods when, when back in his day, when was his, he was probably like 20 or 21 years yeah, old when was, he won his first green 20. jacket. Yeah, so not, not many other people can say that they've won a green jacket by age 21. Most people spend their entire career wanting that green jacket. Uh, he's already gotten it. He's, he's and he fine. And he won the, what, U.S. Open last year too? Yeah. He, came in third of the PGA? Yeah, he's absolutely fine, but golf, golf does need oh, yeah, a superstar. British. Like we all said and agreed upon, Tiger Woods was the reason that we watch golf. That's no denying that. Uh, golf does need something like that. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know if Spieth's going to be that guy, but it, there could be another up-and-comer coming up in the next couple years. We don't know. Maybe, maybe Spieth will be that guy. Maybe McElroy. Maybe an Adam Scott. Who knows? Who, who, who knows who could be that guy? But maybe someone that. needs to step up and be the guy that helps regenerate golf. Yeah, I completely agree. And, um... Speeth will be okay. He's oh, so absolutely. young. He's he's got the rest of his life. I mean, golf is a sport where you can last years. He'll be okay from this as long as he learns to uh, keep his mind focused. He learns from his mistakes. He's got the talent. He's the most talented golfer in the world right now, and he's the youngest, one of the youngest out there. He'll be okay going forward. But how can he handle pressure? Because this is going to haunt him probably for the rest of the year, and it's going to haunt him yet next year's Masters when the broadcasters and everyone's talking about he collapsed, and it's going to stick with him through that whole weekend next year. Uh, but yeah, you talk about. He's going to be pressured by other golfers. I mean, Smiley Kaufman was there. I know Smiley Kaufman's 24 years old, but he was up there and was competing. You talk about all these young golfers, Jason Day, Adam Scott. This is a very exciting time for golf, especially with, even with Tiger Woods kind of out and about. Uh, right now, all these golfers are playing young, they're playing well, and they're playing the PGA and golf on the map, and it's very exciting to see. 
Yeah, I think well, the true test of a winner is not how they handle a win, but how they handle a loss. So this would truly define how much of a champion he will become is how he rebounds from this. Because every champion has always had to go through adversity. How is he going to handle it? Right. Okay, so wrapping things up with our weekly stud and dud, I will go first. My stud is uh, Henrik Zetterberg. Because after, even if, if Datsuk does retire, we still, we still have Zetterberg, the guy who's been equally as good. He's been our captain now in the last few years. He leads our team in points currently this year. So even if we lose Datsuk, we still have Zetterberg. We know he's going to be around for a while. He loves it here. He's got all of his Swedish brother in on the team. So he'll still hold this team together. So, and he's never, you never had to worry about him leaving. So I think that's why he's my stud. He's been great, and uh, he's definitely loyal to this team. My dud, Spieth. <laughs> choked, choked epically. Yep. Um, he had it one, and I think maybe he was looking too far ahead, or maybe he got nervous, something. But um, it's not even just about the way he lost. It's afterward, the way he kind of acted. He's always just looking so depressed and everything into the camera, kind of taking attention away from um, Willett. And it's like, you know what, even you lost, but try to be happy for the other guy, at least pretend. When you won all of your championships, other guys had to do the same for you. So just pretend, be happy. Um, don't, don't, let, don't be a sourpuss about it. Just rebound, and you'll be okay. Vaughn, who are your stud and dud? My stud is a very unorthodox stud today. Um, but like always. Like always, they're quite unorthodox. But because the Red Wings made the playoffs for the 25th straight year, my stud is the Boston Bruins for that epic choke job on Sunday against the Ottawa Senators because they lost. That's the reason why the Wings got to the playoffs. Uh, they 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 lost six to one against a team that's not even going to get into the playoffs. It couldn't Ottawa have just been one of the, stud yeah. Instead of Boston, <laughs> I, I, I could have, but uh, Boston needed to do their part. Ottawa helped out, so I guess they you could do a conjoined stud there. Uh, my dud is the NCAA yet again uh, banning satellite camps for football. Now, I was an intern with Detroit Sports 105.1 radio station this past summer. And we went to the Sound Mind, Sound Body camp where tons of Big Ten coaches were there. Jim Harbaugh, D'Antonio, Urban Meyer, uh, all these guys. Jerry Kill was there when he was still with Minnesota. All these guys were here looking at recruits. And this is a thing that's going to be taken away now from them is these camps that they're able to look at recruits and maybe get a good eye at, hey, maybe he'll be a future defensive back for us. Maybe he's, he'll be a short safety, whatever. Uh, just the, there was no reason for them to ban these camps at all. Um, it's just it was the, it was very the, the SEC, their top money maker is what it was. Yeah, and, and, and the NCAA is a joke. It's going to ruin They're Ohio State and USC's chances because they were going to do the same thing this summer. They were going to have a, a kind of like a tour kind of thing, go from town to town and go to these camps. Now they're not going to be able to do that. Uh, to to what benefit does that help? the NCAA at all it, it or any of the other conferences. Team. That's all it does. Pleases their top money maker. But yeah, it's not just hurting those big schools. It's about hurting the kids that got a chance to showcase their talents because mm-hmm. um, they don't get invited to the big camps like the opening and stuff. Yeah, These are more chances for them to get their name out there. And there's a lot of guys that come into Michigan this past summer because of those camps. Absolutely. They got their name out there. There were lower two, three-star recruits. Some of them weren't even ranked. No one knew who they were. But they got to show Harbaugh what they were made of, and they earned a, they earned a scholarship, which will benefit the rest of their life. And a lot of kids yeah. are going to miss that chance now. And plenty Disgusting. of athletes, even Michigan, Michigan State athletes, they were tweeting a few days ago about how sound, sound, the Sound Mind, Sound Body camp helped them get to where they're at today. Exactly. Without those camps, maybe they don't even play collegiate football. Maybe they just go to college and just get a degree and do something that they don't even like. 
So my they dud, accumulate tons of debt on the way. Yeah, yeah. This is costing just like kids what we're doing. Fortune. It's disgusting. The NCAA, the NCAA is a joke. They do what pleases their their top money maker or what pleases them. It's like they have some agenda going on. Yeah. But that's a hot take for another day. Yeah, I was gonna say this Evan, is a topic for a different time. Evan, who's your stud and dud? Go to a baseball reference. We haven't really talked about baseball, even though opening day just happened. Yep. Uh, Trevor Story is a Colorado Rockies shortstop, and everyone talks about the Colorado Rockies. Their shortstop for a long time was Troy Tulowitzki. He did a tremendous job for them, got traded to the Blue Jays last season. And everyone's thinking, hey, who's going to be the next guy to step in? And, and Trevor Story made his ML debut on April 4th, hit two home runs that game, and then six games this year, he's hit seven overall. I mean, he's just raking the baseball right now. The Hall of Fame has already has his helmet and batting gloves for this past week. How many guys do you know in their first week that kind of gets memorabilia in Cooperstown yeah. right now? He right? broke the record for most home runs in a, in a, the, to start a season for a team. Yep, and it was just tremendous. He made his story, oh, if come yes, on. you could say. There we go. Colin, fun. <laughs> nice fun. You'll be uh, here all week, right? Yeah. Thank goodness. So there's that. That's my baseball. Uh, my dud... Uh, it's Tyler Summit. It's the son of Pat Summit. Pat Summit, of course, was a co- head coach for the Tennessee Lady Vols. Stort, uh, one of the best in the history of women's college basketball. Tyler Summit is her son, and he's 25 years old. He was the head coach at Louisiana Tech, and he resigned after, I think, two seasons because he was caught having an affair. And there's reports out. I don't know if it's true, and I'm not going to speculate. Uh, but that he impregnated one of his players uh, that kind of came over. And that's it's just sad because he's 25 years old, and people are saying, hey, he's a 25-year-old guy. Should he be around these gr- women that are 22, 23 years old? That's a problem. But if he's 25, he's got that bloodline being the son of Pat Summit. He's got his whole coaching career ahead of him, and now you basically can't trust him. I don't, I don't think a school's going to come after him, and, and after what this – what went on with this? Uh, even if it wasn't a player, he cheated on his wife. That's not it's immoral. Yeah. So obviously, uh, it's a really sad situation there, and it's very crushing to just the basketball programs uh, that he's been around because he was at Marquette and just Tennessee mm-hmm. and Louisiana Tech. It's a very sad story. And that's probably got to cost a lot of younger head coaches maybe um, the the chance to get a job because they see how immature some it was. 25, he couldn't handle it. He was too mature. He got the best of him. So maybe a lot of other younger guys will get overlooked because they, they'll kind of compare the situations. They'll want someone more experienced, maybe in their 40s or 50s or something, because they won't have to risk um, an issue like that. So yeah, it's very, very sad, and um, especially for his mom's reputation, because she's such a legend, for his son to kind of tarnish their last name like that. It's definitely sad. Well, that's all we had for the uh, on the show this week on Sportsman Like Conduct. Thank you all for listening. Have a good night.